0: Welcome to Adorama Voice, a voice for creators. I'm your host, Daniel Norton. And in this episode, we're going to talk a little bit about being a specialist versus being a generalist as an artist, whether you're a photographer or a videographer or an animator. Should you try to be a jack of all trades or should you focus down your endeavors and what will work for you in your business if that's what you're choosing to do? Then we're going to take a bunch of call-ins. I got some really great call-ins for the first episode. I appreciate everybody calling in. If you want to be part of the show, stick around to the end. I'll talk a little bit about how you can call in and get your voice on the air. So without further ado, let's talk. Let's talk a little bit about being a specialist versus being a generalist. Now, I'm going to take this from, generally speaking, generally speaking, uh, the perspective of being a photographer as that's what I've been doing most of my career. But this can work depending on whatever types of arts and maybe just life in general, right, uh, as what you're doing. And a lot of us will, especially in the beginning, right, we're going to, when somebody asks us, hey, what kind of work do you do? What kind of photography do you do? What kind of videos do you make? You know, what what type of paintings do you do? A lot of times, um, you know, we might, offer, we might offer some kind of really uh, technical thing, like I am a uh, Sony shooter, or we might say I use oil paint. But a lot of times we're going to basically say, a lot of people are going to say, I do a little bit of everything, or I like to dabble in different things. I like all kinds of stuff. You know, these are the kind of answers we often give. And I think the reason for that is because, at least partially, is that we don't want to miss out on something, right? We're we're relatively new to the process. There could be something there that we might really like that we just haven't experienced yet. Or it might just be that we're willing to do it because we want to do any work we can get, especially if we're trying to do it for profit. Right. So if we're used to shooting macro photos of insects and somebody is coming to you with the possibility of doing a portrait or maybe a wedding or product photography, you might want to try that, right? Or think you could handle it, or frankly, need the work so you're willing to to figure out how to do it so that you can make it work. And, and, you know, a lot of times maybe you just don't know. So you you say, I, I shoot a little bit of everything because that's then hopefully sets you up to try different things that maybe you'll find something else that you like. Now, this is fine and oh, totally fine. All of this is really fine anyways. Well, let me know what you guys think about this. I'm going to tell you what I think here. Um, but and how many of you consider yourself generalist? And where are you, I guess, in your uh, your process of creating? Are you just starting? Are you, have you been doing it for a long time? Um, and how many of you think you're specialists or say you're specialists, and where are you at? So let, let's get that kind of going in the conversation. But let me get back to this. So, you know, the other thing is you find people, which I'm about to say, that have been doing this a long, long time, and they'll say something, they'll answer the same way. You know, I've been shooting for, you know, 10 years. Oh, what do you shoot? Well, a little bit of everything. And generally speaking, unless you're in some kind of a market with a very small market with very few photographers, a few artists doing anything, so you're kind of, you know, running unopposed, if you will, you'll find that those people are not always the ones that are working professionally. And that might seem odd because you might think, but hold on, I can, you know, draw with both watercolors or paint with both watercolors and oils. I can draw with inks or pencils. I can do digital renderings. I can do photography in different styles. Um, you know, I can shoot all kinds of videos. Wouldn't shouldn't I get more work? Shouldn't I be more um, likely to find clients? Likely to find people that want me to do my process. Likely to sell my work. Wouldn't that be more likely? And on the surface, it might seem like that's the case. But what it comes down to is, people want to hire an artist because, generally speaking, they are not, you know, considering themselves artists in that field. Like you might be a great videographer, but you might not really feel comfortable doing, you know, animation. So you might hire an animator. And if you're hiring that animator to do this animated slides for your video that you're working on, you want somebody that does the type of animation that you want. And you want them to to be good at it or an expert or the best you can afford or the best you can find. And usually, in people's minds anyways, whether or not this is actually true all the time, you know, that's a matter of debate. Somebody that only focuses on one thing is usually better at it. Right, If you are versatile and you do a little bit of everything, you might not have all the little, uh, I'm not even going to say skills, but the little experiences or the little specialized tools or the the specialized knowledge that somebody that does it all the time knows. Right, I do a decent amount of food photography, but I'm not a food photographer. Or I should say I've done a decent amount of food photography, but I am not a food photographer. One of the uh, photographers I share my studio with is... He's a food photographer, he does food photography. When you watch him do it, he's excellent at it. He uses all kinds of little techniques and tools and things that I would have never thought of because he has years of experience just shooting food. I'm a portrait photographer, I shoot people. I have little techniques and things that I do to get you know, people to bring out their personality or to, or to make you know the light more flattering, these kind of things. I'm gonna be better in general at that than somebody that spends their whole life shooting, let's say, products on a white background. They might be able to do this really elaborate, intricate lighting, this really great composition stuff of multiple exposures and focus stacking, and they might be experts at those things. Or I wouldn't be because I don't use those things. I know how to do them on some level, but if I'm going to try to use that stuff, I'm not going to be as skilled at it as somebody that does it all the time, which means that either the result that I produce will not be as good or refined as theirs, or it'll take me a lot longer. And, you know, time is money. So. Specialists are often the ones that are going to be working. If there's enough work to, you know, provide enough work for that specialist in a location, if there's not, that you know, these smaller markets, that's where you end up with the more generalists. But if you're in a big market, I'm in New York City, it pays to specialize, and it really helps when you can say to somebody, "I'm a product photographer, or a food photographer, or a portrait photographer," instead of just, "I'm a photographer." let's say though that you're just starting out or you're just switching careers or you're looking at other things how do you become this specialist right how do you become the master uh, of this field the 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 most skilled at this particular process or this type of photography or this type of filmmaking how do you do it well I mean part of it comes down to just doing it right some of us just know I knew when I was younger that I wanted to do fashion it was the thing I was passionate about I loved images of fashion, I loved clothing. I liked the idea of it and what fashion means in uh, you know society and how how it's used beyond just, you know, people who aren't fashion photographers say, well, fashion is what it's about to close. It's a podcast, so you can't really see me rolling my eyes. Plus, I'm not very good at it, but <laughs> you'll be able to see the video podcast at some point. Um, anyways, you know, that's the answer of somebody who's not really a fashion photographer. Or fashion, you know, they shoot these images that have like a fashion-y look, which you can just tell when you're a fashion photographer, they're not it. Same is true with the food, right? I can shoot food that's really decent and people, my studio mate would probably be able to see lots of flaws and lots of imperfections in it that your average person won't. So it's not like you can't do things you're not a specialist in. But anyways, going going off on a tangent as usual, uh, how do you know? Well, some of us just know. Like I say, uh, you might just know that you love photographing a certain thing. In fact, to the point that you might not photograph anything else. You might be the person that when she wants to go shoot, she grabs her camera and she goes out and shoots uh, insects or flowers or whatever, or food or fashion. And if there's an opportunity to shoot a parade or a concert, you just don't bring your, your camera because it's not something you're interested in photographing. You very specifically know what you like. But I feel like, you know, based on my experience, that a lot of people getting into the arts, whether it be photography or video or whatever, they want to experiment and do a lot of different things. They know they like the ability, the process, the idea of being a creator, and they wanna take that to as many areas as possible. So they're gonna bring their camera to the concert. They're gonna bring it when they go to the flower show. They're gonna bring it when somebody says, hey, my friend needs a headshot, right? They're going to always bring their camera, their, their tools to do their art. Let's say you're one of those people, because that really, that's probably most people, right? How do you eventually become a specialist if that's your, your aim? I think what ends up happening to most people, or this has been my experience and you can tell me, let me know, I got some call-ins from people that have been doing this for a while. I think eventually we start to figure it out, right? In the beginning, everything seems interesting and you're grabbing your camera constantly and you're you're photographing everything and you're you're very into whatever, right? But eventually there comes a time where you're going to go to the flower show, and you're like, oh, you know, my phone is fine. And not to say your phone is not always fine. I think this is going to be a a topic of another episode, but, you know, the camera you have with you. What I mean is you're not going to take the time to bring all kinds of extra stuff. Oh, I'm going away on a vacation, and travel's not really your thing, you've decided, so you just don't really bring all your gear. You bring a camera, because, you know, you're the photographer, right? you got to bring a, a camera. But maybe you don't bring all the stuff that you used to bring. And little by little, you start to realize oh, you know what? These are the things I really like to photograph because those are the ones I'm willing to carry all my gear and willing to always step away from the thing we're doing to make photos. I go out of my way to find new young designers that I can photograph their clothes. I go out of my way to befriend actors and stuff so I can shoot their their portraits. I go to concerts in, in small venues where they allow you to bring your camera. Or, or I talk to the musicians that are going to be playing and ask if I can cover the show. You know, I... I go to uh, sporting events and I photograph there, and I, I try to make connections with like coaches of little league and things like that, so I can, you know, make the the photos of the, of the the people we see. I go to restaurants and I photograph the food, and I don't bring my camera when I do all these other things. This is how we start to learn what we are really kind of focusing on, what we really want to specialize in, because sometimes you just don't know. This also. Leads into the idea of style, which we'll talk about in another uh, podcast. Let me know if you guys want to talk about discuss style. Uh, I kind of have some ideas on that and how to develop style. It's one of the most common questions I get: is how do you know what your style is? How do you? So this will definitely be a series, uh, or there will be a podcast or two about that because it's kind of an interesting and really philosophical thing. So is this really, even though mechanically? Being a specialist is is a simple thing, right? You could say, okay, well, listen, I like photography, and I'm pretty good at it, and I've got some gear, or I like photography, or I like to draw pictures. What need is there in my community or market for these things? Okay, and you could approach it that way. There's lots of photographers that get into photography more from the business end of it. They say, well, you know what, this area. You know, when I see this area, I see a lot of wedding photographers, and I see lots of people getting married. I see the demographics. I can see that there's actually people. The price of wedding photographers, the, the the fees are high because there's not enough wedding photographers, right? So, you know, less competition means higher fees generally. So, I might want to be a wedding photographer because I can also stick my my toe into that pool and, and pick from some of this uh, this excess work, right? This this uh, this abundance of work for wedding photographers, and you know, this is what I'm going to do. Or maybe you already are a wedding photographer and that's all you do. And you realize, hey, you know when I'm making all these photos and a lot of these people that do get married then end up having children. And I see that, you know, there's not a lot of people doing also children's photography and the ones that are doing really well. Well, that's because it's an abundance. And now I already kind of have an in, right? So since I'm photographing these people for their wedding, if I also do children's photography and I stay in contact with them, you know, newborns and pregnancy and stuff like that, This could be another part of my business. And you may eventually become so good at that and so popular doing that that you actually start doing less and less weddings. And then you start making connections with other wedding photographers that you knew, maybe people that assisted for you that now have their own businesses and they don't do pregnancy and and, uh, and children photography, child photography. And then all of a sudden now you're a specialist in that. You've kind of shifted your specialty because you saw there was a need and you made that move do I believe that that's generally the best way? For me, it would not be. I'm one of those photographers that does photography because I love it. And it's not easy for me you know, mentally um, to focus on a type of photography that I don't really enjoy as much as others. So I'm more than capable of photographing food. I'm more than capable of photographing product. I can do a wedding. I've done some in my life. They're not things that I enjoy that much. What I enjoy is photographing people. And I actually, you know, I mentioned that When I first started, this is kind of part here, you know, I was very much into fashion. I was finding young designers, shooting stuff, getting editorials, getting published in magazines. That was a big deal. You know, I was like, oh, I'm in a magazine, you know, and then that I kind of shifted into shooting the advertising and the catalogs for those things because, of course, that's where the money is. (laughs) Editorial fashion is not a high-paying thing. And basically, what ends up happening is I shifted and started becoming more of a commercial commercial photography, basically, commercial uh, fashion. And I kind of got bored with it. I realized that I did it because that was the area of photography that you know I kind of drifted into, but also the one where the money was. But I really enjoyed the editorial stuff much more, and I didn't want to go back to just doing editorial fashion, so I started shooting more portraits because I knew that I liked the thing I liked about the editorial was creating these little stories, and I felt like you could do that as a portrait photographer with certain types of portraits. So my portrait business became... Me shooting actors and, and models who wanted something more than just the standard shots. It became people that wanted something a little bit different. You know, maybe you're you're slightly older and you know because everybody has their like school pictures, right? And now you're like in your 30s and you're in the best shape of your life, or you're you're in a good spot in your life, and you want a portrait made. You know, this is the kind of work that I started doing because I just enjoyed interacting with people. You know, and shooting musicians, you know, for magazines and stuff like that became part of my work as well, and it all kind of adds together, right? next thing you know, now I'm I'm a portrait specialist. So it's not like once you're a specialist, you can never do anything else. I mean, you definitely can shift and change and adjust. And I think a lot of people do. But I think that if you're in a large market with a lot of competition, being a generalist is going to work against you. And, you know, even if you're doing this not for money, if you're doing it for fun or because you love it, if you do not focus, it will be more difficult for you to become for lack of a better word, an expert at a certain thing. Is the idea of expertise your goal? Maybe not, right? It really just depends on what everybody wants to do, right? But if you're kind of dabbling here and there and doing this and that, and you think to yourself, I really want to refine my photography. I think that narrowing down and becoming more of a special, become the master of that particular part of it. And that could be, again, it could be going back to the painting. Maybe it's a master of oil painting, or maybe it's a master of watercolors, right? Or using spray paint or, you know, all kinds of different cool things. There's lots and lots of different things that you could kind of focus on to really, really master. And then once you have mastered that, the skill that you use to become that master now helps you bring other things into the fold. So I always say to people that in in my opinion, and I'd love to hear your opinions on this. Um, if, you're, if you're starting out and you want to become serious at a craft, at a, at, a, at a art, so whether it be photography, filmmaking, painting, drawing, animation, you know, you name it, singing, playing a musical instrument, it's probably good for you to focus on becoming really, really good at one specific thing, right? You might want to play the bass guitar, the banjo, the acoustic guitar, and the xylophone, but which one of those is going to be the one you're going to start with, right? Because if you can master, you know, the acoustic guitar, let's say, then learning the banjo or the bass guitar might become easier. I guess the musicians out there can tell me if that's true. Um, you know, these things might actually be easier for you to do because you'll have more of a general idea of how these things work, and it's just better than if you, you know, were like, okay, well, I'm going to learn all three of these, four of these instruments. I'm going to spend Mondays working on one, Tuesdays on the other one, Wednesdays on the other one. In my opinion, you'd be better off spending all your time mastering the first and then turning that around and using that to, you know, begin to master the second, third, fourth. This is true of photography for sure. Again, in most of these podcasts I'm going to talk a lot about photography because that is my background, but know that this is true of anything. If you want to be a web designer, if you'd like to be an animator, focus on something specific to start with. You know, play around, you know, if you're when you're just just starting, generalize, do a little bit of everything, see what you like. But once you find that thing you like, become very good at it, become an expert or a master, however you want to say it, of that thing. And then once you do, now you're a specialist and being a specialist is going to give you a lot of advantages, especially in larger markets. And remember that a lot of us, the market is really the world now. The internet has made it so that you can actually sell and make contact with and work with people all over the place that you never have to see in person. This is especially true if you're doing things like uh, product photography or food photography that can be sent to you or, or set up there if you can hire your own food stylist. And when I say food photography, I don't mean like for a restaurant, obviously, you would need to be there. But I mean, if like, you know, Kraft wants you to photograph their mayonnaise, right? You you could do that anywhere as long as you have a, a chef or whatever to, to, to prep it. So you don't need to be, you know, here in New York City to photograph craft mayonnaise, you could be anywhere. And same is true if you're doing, a, you know, illustration. I actually needed an illustration for a, another project I was doing uh, for my gaming. And, uh, you know, the the person I hired, the artist uh, was in Canada. I con- I saw their work. I contacted them online. We used electronic payments. They sent me, you know, drafts as they went digitally, you know, with a picture of their phone. And then when they were done, they scanned the final piece because it was a charcoal drawing. And now I have it, (laughs) you know, never met the person, only really talked through email. I don't even think we actually talked on the phone. Everything was done remotely. And that is the beauty of the technology in today. So you can even, you can even be a specialist in a smaller market if you use the technology around to get out there. So let me know what you guys think. What kind of stuff do you do? you know, are you mostly photographers listening to this? Do you do other types of uh, creative processes? How do you do them? How would you consider yourself a generalist, a specialist? Do you work in a field that you don't believe there is such a thing? There's just kind of one or the other or nothing. I would be curious to know. And uh, yeah, let's talk about it. Before we get to the Collins, I just want to give a quick shout out to Adorama, the sponsor of this podcast. If you're looking for photography, video, audio, music, any of those needs, computers, uh, be sure to check out adorama.com. All right, let's uh, take some calls here. We got a lot of calls the first week here. I appreciate you guys calling in with your various thoughts. And the first one here is from Jason. Jason hosts a podcast as well on anchor the nerds rpg variety cast and he was has the uh the distinct honor of being the first caller here so take it away jason
1: hey daniel my name is jason interesting podcast i like the premise i'll definitely be tuning in to your future episodes i have to admit as a layperson, photography for me is more of a tool these days i use a communication tool more than a recording tool so if I see one of my dogs doing something interesting, maybe I'll take a picture of that and send it to my spouse or send it to somebody in a different state to share that with them. Or if I am in the store, recently I was in the grocery store and saw Pabst Blue Ribbon hard coffee. And if you like the idea of mixing malt liquor and coffee together, more power to you. But you know, I kind of threw up a little in my mouth, so I took a picture of that and sent it off to other people. You know, these days I don't take pictures for prosperity anymore and or prosperity anyway. Um, yeah. Interesting concept.
0: All right. Thanks, Jason, for calling in. Um, yeah. A couple of good points there brought up. Uh, malt beverage and coffee. Hmm. I don't know. You guys can let me know what you think of that. Uh, I wonder if Andy will call in about that, because I seem to remember Andy drinking a lot of strange beer, but maybe not malt beverage and coffee. But to get back to the photography part. Yeah. Um, you know, it's funny you say that because, again, I've seen. I think I mentioned this that uh, over the past several years, we've seen people find these collections of photos from the twenties, the thirties, the forties. Uh, they're kind of rediscovered, and people are looking at them as kind of like a, a history that they missed or that they're 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 reliving through this person's eyes who they now found their work, um, and also very notably, uh, a friend of mine. Whose name I won't say here because I didn't ask their permission, they actually go around and go to you know estate sales and yard sales and stuff and they look for really, really old film negatives. And they'll buy up boxes and boxes of them. And then what they do is they look for interesting images and they actually print them in the dark room or scan them. And they are often posting them on Facebook, and it really does bring up a lot of discussion. People are like, wow, that's you know very interesting. What was going on here? I wonder who these people were. You know, what is this slice and in moment in history? And I wonder, you know, what will be the modern equivalent to that? You know, in 50 years, like how will people find your images that you're just taking of the dogs or of the beer uh, to kind of have that moment in history? And and we actually talked a little bit offline uh, about this because he was talking about storing and images and stuff like that. If that's if that's a a subject, it might be a little more technical than I want to cover here, but maybe we can cover it in a loose way. uh, The idea of how we might be able to archive our images for the future even those of strange beer products. Okay, this next set of calls is from another friend of mine, uh, Andy Goodman. He is also a podcaster. Oh, I should mention that I'll put the links to the various podcasts in the description below so you guys can follow those guys over here on Anchor as well. He hosts two podcasts, uh, both the Grizzly Peaks Radio and Expedition to the Grizzly Peaks. Um, Of course, he's about to completely shill those podcasts right now. So here we go, Andy.
2: Hi, Daniel. My name's Andy Goodman. I'm a podcaster and designer from Great Britain, living in California. You may know me for such podcasts as Expedition to the Grizzly Peaks and Grizzly Peaks Radio. And um, yeah, I'm just really excited to hear your new podcast and I've been a a fan of yours for for a number of years now uh, for um, uh, your, your other creative endeavors as well as your photography of course. And, uh, yeah, I, I think this is an amazing mission that you're setting out to, you know, define what creativity is, you know, philosophers have tried to explain this for thousands of years, and I think you might be the first to actually nail it. So all I can do is, is sit here and wait for the first episode to come out. Oh, it has come out. It has come out. I haven't listened to it yet. So I'll give it a listen and I'll give you a proper call at some point. Thanks. Bye.
0: It's always good to get a vote of confidence from a friend. All right, so here we go. Indy calls in about the first episode, and I think he brings up some really interesting ideas here.
2: Okay, Daniel, I'll leave you a serious message now. Um, I, I apologize for maybe being your first caller, but almost um, certainly leaving a um, very silly message. But um, something you said made me think, which is good. It's good to make people think, isn't it? About um, the amount of photographs we take. This is a really huge topic it's more than just we can take a photo of our kids first second third day at school this is this is us getting towards what charles Strauss, the science fiction writer calls total history which means recording of every single human experience um from every single perspective individual person's point of view forever and having that record permanently captured forever which is pretty mind-blowing when you think about it. Now, he wrote this blog article in 2007, just talking about taking a linear progression of technology, of storage mediums and and, and devices and so on, and... uh, you know, I, th- I think it's been proven out. If you look at things like TikTok and Snapchat, and just the hundreds and thousands of photographs that we all have on our phones and on hard drives and on cloud servers, um, uh, and and potentially just lost forever. Not lost because they're there, but but will we ever really look at them again? And uh, I think this is another aspect of it. We may be recording this stuff, stuff, but but then what do we do with it? And interestingly, when we first met Daniel, I was working for a company that was trying to do something around this, trying to understand and interpret what our photographs were, what they meant to us, their emotional resonance, and how we could access them properly in future. Because I think what was lost when we got to this full documentation world where everyone has a camera at all times and can photograph anything and doesn't have to care about how much film they're wasting is that we suddenly lose the self-editing Function that we all had to use to do that we all had to do when we were, you know, had our, um, uh, you know, pentaxes and our Polaroids. We, we, there was a finite, it was a scarce resource, so we had to be careful. But now we can photograph everything, um, and and then not every photograph we take is of, is of equivalent value or has been considered or thought through. But it gets lost in this mass of content, this mass of images that we have created. Um, so, we need something we need um, an intermediary layer, and it could be artificial intelligence or it could be something else. It could be crowdsourcing or or something that allows us to identify the value of an individual photograph again because that 's been lost i think so yeah, thank you for provoking these thoughts again i 've actually I have spent a bit of time thinking about it i 've even worked on on some sort of th- theoretical solutions for for how this can can be done um, because computers. Are very good at understanding what a photograph is. They're they're pretty good at understanding what an image is, although not perfect as as certain um, notorious newspaper stories would would give evidence for. But what they're terrible at is understanding the meaning of the photo. Um, And that is really hard. Only humans can really understand what a photograph means. A computer probably never can. But what it can do is is take that human knowledge from Google searches, from human tagging of photos, and sort of triangulate and try and get something close to, to what a human being would value a photo as. So, great topic, and, um, well, I'd like to talk more about it someday. don't know when. See ya.
0: Yeah, I think this is, a, he's making some really, really good points here, and very interesting. And, and the first thing I started thinking of, um, when you're talking about, like, the, them getting thrown out there and how do we decide is things like reddit or quora um to a lesser extent instagram where people can rate like the thumbs up thumbs down right so if everybody is putting their pictures onto reddit into a photo forum and people are rating the ones they like up right then in theory the best of the work should go up there now obviously that's not going to be every photo (laughs) or that would be a nightmare And oftentimes, I mean, I can say myself as a photographer that sometimes I'm doing work and images that I didn't really, didn't connect with, like, you know, I I made them, so obviously I connected with them on some level, but I made these images and as I'm going through, there's 30 images I made that day and there might be two or three I really like. But if I go back and look at those same 30 images five years later, I may associate a different meaning or I might be looking at them from a different point of view and you do kind of change your opinion on what is important, what's good, what are the strongest of the photos, possibly because of how they're affecting you in that moment. Because I think that's one of the things about art, right, is that the computer is going to be able to say, well, OK, we know that. Uh, you know, people uh, like sunset pictures, because if we go on Instagram, we can certainly see that there's plenty of sunset pictures that do really well. And people do like sunset pictures. But if, uh, you know, a thousand years from now, people are looking back at the the best art of this uh, generation. Is it a bunch of sunset pictures with some presets from Instagram on it? Are those really the pictures that made a difference? Are those the strong and powerful ones? And I wonder, right, because part of what I was talking about in the episode before was this idea that now there's not this small kind of elite group deciding what images we see but is that 100% good it's good in the sense that we will be able to see things we never could have before that we're having access to things we never had uh, access to before uh, but are we also going to now lose the best of the best in the the muddiness that becomes you know all the uh, paps blue ribbon photos <laughs> Although I would like to see that photo, Jason, so if you want to send it to me, <laughs> let me know. So yes, thanks, Andy, for calling in. Um, always thought-provoking conversation with Andy, and hopefully we will get a chance to hang out and talk about these things in the future, possibly in person, uh, over some kind of really terribly tasting beer. So I found the article by Charles Strauss that Andy refers to, and I will put a link in the show notes uh, below. So if you guys want to read it, it's really interesting. Um I love looking at future history, I guess you'd call that, from the past. <laughs> I'm not sure if that's the right way to say that, but it's so interesting to see what people thought um, the future would be like and how right some of them are. Uh, the next call is from Ronnie.
3: Hi, Daniel. Thanks so much. I I really appreciate you starting this platform. I look forward to taking part in more episodes. Um, you asked the question why we take pictures and why we create, and it's been something I've been reflected on, reflecting on, um, because I I caught the photography bug probably about three years ago, and I just uh, I have an obsessive personality, and I I just I really love what wh- how I feel in the moment when I'm capturing something. It it's in a sense therapeutic for me. I feel like uh, I'm an English teacher, um, and it's just in my time off. I think you you just really get stuck in that that capturing that decisive mo- moment, as Brisson said, and I. For me, a whole world has been opened up. I mean, I two, three years ago started um, studying a little bit more formally here in Spain, um, and some of my teachers opened me up to the worlds of.
0: Oh, it looks like Ronnie got cut off. Ronnie, if you're listening here, when we play this, um, yeah, the messages can only be one minute long, and. Uh, if you become a, a master of Anchor like Andy, you just keep leaving one message after another. You just have to watch that timer so they don't get jumbled. <laughs> but anyways, we'll get used to it after a while. Or if you have a longer message to send, guys, you could always record it as a voice memo and email it to me. I didn't see it in my email, so I'm guessing that maybe Ronnie didn't realize they were cut off. Really, really good points here. And actually, the one on my short list of topics for another episode. Um, so if people are interested in that, let me know. These, you know in this next episode that's coming out when you hear this, um, you know, the idea of how we can fall into photography or fall into art and how it is kind of therapeutic for people, how it does allow you to kind of escape the moment, not just as the photographer creating the image in the moment, right? When we're focusing on making our photo, whether it be a a still life, a landscape, food, a portrait, whatever it might be, we're going to become immersed in the idea of it, right? Focused on it, um, which is great. It can be really good for us. Um, But all in you know, because kind of putting out maybe the, the the hassle that is life for most people sometimes, uh, but also people looking at the work can feel that way. And I think that's really important. You know, when I was in college, we used to go to the Museum of Fine Arts in Boston and uh, just you know, part of our class, we would just go and they, you know, they would tell you to sit in front of a painting for 15 minutes or stand, I guess, um, and just look at it and just kind of fall into it. And I think we don't take the time to really do that anymore uh, as much as we should, as as kind of people. And I don't think that it's anything to do with 2022. I think it has to do with being older. <laughs> I think that we feel like there's so much stuff going on, we don't have time to kind of have those moments to ourselves. So photography is a kind of a faster way to do that, right? Because we can spend 20 minutes. Making making a photo or looking at photos and that can help us kind of release the stress of the day so thanks for calling in ronnie like i said if there was some more stuff you want to talk about uh, please call in again if you want to leave multiple messages that's fine or of course you can uh, attach a voice message and email it to me all that information guys for anybody listening is going to be in the uh, show notes so you can you know find the show all over the place and leave me some messages for next episode all right next call in is from benson
4: hi daniel thank you for your podcast it's great i love your videos on youtube i've learned a lot from you and grown a lot as a photographer because of the work that you do and teaching Um, the way photography is important to me started uh, really in the past few years with social media becoming so hateful and such an awful place to be with uh, the politics and all of the issues and things that people were voicing their opinions on, I decided that I was going to start posting photos of landscapes and I kayak in an area that is very beautiful. So I started taking pictures of sunrises and sunsets and of waterfalls and just my kayak on the water and sharing those on Facebook without much commentary just to try and bring something positive, just to try and bring something uh, uplifting to social media to kind of be that counterpoint if you will to everybody's opinions on society and politics and things that were going on thanks daniel appreciate everything that you do
0: so that's some really great points there you know i was just saying uh, in the Tarani's call pretty much this same idea right that people can uh step away from the things that are hassling them in life, either both to create the images and just to look at them. And I did say earlier, when we were talking about sorting with Reddit and stuff, the idea that like, if everybody just clicked on the pictures that, that they liked in that moment, maybe we would end up seeing more like uh, sunsets and things like that. And then a thousand years from now, we might miss out on the history and not see those main events. But... You know what? That's not always a bad thing, right? (laughs) In the moment when times are stressful and there's a lot of things going on in the world, sometimes it's nice to be able to just step back away from it and enjoy the beauty that is nature or life. All right, the next call is from Lawrence.
5: Hello, Daniel. My name is Lawrence Sweeney. I am based in newcastle upon Tyne, in the north of England, not far from Scotland. I'm 58 years old, so towards the latter end of my photography career. I work alongside my daughter Stacey and we photograph lifestyle and commercial work. Lifestyle is mainly weddings about 30 a year and the commercial work is mainly headshots or images for press releases. I would like to share with you my thoughts around motivation, nerves and satisfaction. Although I do not suffer from anxiety as such, I do get nervous before most assignments. As we become more experienced then it does become easier. Although Stacey's completed hundreds of photo jobs, she does suffer from anxiety and I try and remind her of all the great work she's done to reflect on that before each assignment and it does help. Photographing people is like a giant water slide. Beforehand you make a long, nervous walk to the top. You stand there looking down and your legs feel like jelly. Then you take the leap. When you get to the bottom you say to yourself, I want to do that again. Whether you're inexperienced or longing the tooth, my top tip is to think of something you've done or organised that has gone well. It could be photography-related or something completely different. Try not to dwell on the negative experiences. Thank you, Daniel, for this opportunity to share my thoughts. Photography is amazing, and we never stop learning, do we? Cheers, Lawrence.
0: All right, thanks, Lawrence. That was that was great, and wow, what a great way to describe it. I would 100% agree. I've done so many photo shoots in my life right but every single time you still have that little bit of anxiousness before you shoot you know uh not that you necessarily think you're not going to be successful but you want it to be the best possible thing when we're photographers I often used to joke on portrait shoots especially photographing people that uh we are the the second most hated. The first being dentists, right? Nobody wants to go to the dentist, even though we know that we need to. Uh, you know, people don't like to have their photo taken. Usually, I think that's changed a little bit um, over the course of my career, with more selfies and people just being photographed in more casual ways, which kind of ties into what we're talking about here. But still, a lot of people just do not like to be photographed. So when they are put in front of you, especially when you need to do corporate things, you know, these people are business people. They they they're you're photographing them for a newspaper or a magazine, and they. You know that they want the promotion they want to be uh get the recognition that they need the the press basically but they're not wanting to be in front of the camera per se so there is that little like what's this how is this going to go how is this going to go uh feeling no matter how many times you've done it and that's not to say that those that are in front of the camera all the time don't also feel that you know being that i do a lot of live presentations especially to the internet where you know, tens of thousands of people uh, eventually watch them. It's really interesting to to think, like even from the perspective of the models or the subjects, that you know they're nervous at somebody. Oh, do I do I look okay? Is somebody going to say something? Are they going to think that I'm weird? Are they not going to like the way that I I pose or whatever, or interact with the camera? So I think all of us in the arts have that because when we are doing any kind of artistic work, and I think that even commercial type work is still artistic in a sense, right? you are putting a piece of yourself into it. right? It come, same kind of thing we're talking about with the being able to immerse and get away from things to help kind of separate yourself from it. The, um, the idea that when you're making a portrait or you're, you're doing these photos, you're, you're putting a little bit of yourself into it. You know, I am anyways, and I think a lot of people are when I talk to them. It's not a mechanical thing. It's not getting your picture taken at the DMV. Although if you work at the DMV and you like photographing people, then I guess call in and let me know I'm wrong. But, you know, uh, that feels like a mechanical process where anytime you're making a portrait of somebody, you want to bring something out. You're trying to bring this thing out. And this is true of not just portraits, but we're just talking about that here. Um, You... There's that little bit of nervousness, like, right, am I going to get the shot that's going to make me happy, that's going to make them happy? Are they going to walk away slightly changed, not hating having their picture taken as much? And that's always been my goal. And it sounds like um, Lawrence has been at this for a while and also understands that that's the way it is, right? So uh, thanks for calling in, Lawrence. That was some great advice. I hope to hear from you more. And uh, yeah, All right, so I was having a chat with uh, Patty, who's a longtime follower on Bye. YouTube channel. Uh, She didn't have a mic attached to her computer, she said, so she had written me a message and said that it was okay to read it. I will uh, read this to you now. Uh, Photography is capturing that unique, fleeting moment which never gets repeated. I guess that's one of the reasons I love it. It's one of the reasons I love to photograph pets, especially dogs. They age so much faster than we do. I just love capturing all their little quirks and activities. I did a photo shoot of puppies at the shelter in October. A couple of staff members adopted two of the pups. They're now about six months old and look so different than when they were pups. They all got good homes, and so did their mom. And she goes on to say that, you know, she wishes that she could continue the photo shoot them when they're older uh, to kind of get the progression. Thanks, Patty. You're making some really great points here. Right. Animals, uh, things that that happen, like things that change your garden, uh, obviously family. All these things that change over time are the types of things that are just great to document because it's cool to look back and be like, oh, yeah, I remember when it was like that. And I think that is just one of the most powerful things about photography being more available, I'll say. Because even though we might say, and we're discussing, of course, in these in these comments, uh, you know, how are we going to sort out and find all these images, it's still to me a powerful thing to say, yeah, well, yeah, I can make this photo, so I will have it for later if I ever want to look at it or if somebody else ever cares to see it. All right, so I got a really uh, nice email here from Mark in Australia. Thanks, Mark. Uh, It's pretty long. I'm not going to read the whole thing. I don't think the intent was to read the whole thing. It was with kind of what they would like to maybe see on the podcast. So I'm going to throw some of these thoughts out there so maybe we can get some call-ins to let me know what you think. Uh, Would you like me to cover some of these topics? I think they're pretty good. Uh, The first thing he talks about is maybe talk about some books uh, that inspire me, not necessarily technical ones. They wouldn't be technical, spoiler. (laughs) Um, Things like that. Um, Discussion between other creatives, like bringing Seth, if if you're new to the podcast, Seth is my studio mate. He's an amazing photographer here in New York, or possibly some of the uh, other talent that we bring on, uh, philosophy uh, of how we create. He's asking about posting images and then talking about them. That's trickier to do on the podcast currently. This will eventually become a video podcast. I have to do enough podcasts for it to be qualified, but there, that might be a thing, but I know a lot of people listen in cars and stuff, so I'm not sure that'll happen here, Mark, but uh, possibly check out my YouTube channel for that. Uh, talking about my history my journey how i became a photographer that is definitely something i'm going to talk about a lot so get ready for that <laughs> um technical stuff I, you know again i'm not so sure i might do a small segment if people are interested in that but i definitely don't want this to be about technical i want it to be about philosophy i think that a lot of people already talk tech um and you know those are some of his ideas let me know some of your ideas also if you are listening to this Uh, and you know other people that listen to podcasts or you think they should listen to podcasts, please do share it. Podcasts live and die on uh, ratings and sharing. So if you can go on whatever podcast or network that you're part of, give this podcast a rating, ideally five stars, uh, a review would be even nicer Um, so we can get it pushed up there because that's kind of how they flow. We did really well the first week here. i got a bunch of You know, emails and notifications from various companies that track podcasts. And they said we're doing really well in Germany and the UK and the US. So, um, let me know, guys, uh, where else we can go with this podcast because I really want it to be about the community, about what everybody wants. And I think that by, uh, getting responses from you guys, I can really shape the podcast to what everybody wants. So feel free to send me an email at at aramavoicegmail.com. All this stuff, by the way, is in the show notes. If you have any, uh, thoughts about where the show should go, obviously, feel free to call in as well. And I would love to hear your voice on the air. Okay, so that's our show for this week. Be sure to call in and get your voice on the air. You can either go to the Anchor app, which you can get for iPhone or Android. You can also also be a web link here in the show description. You could also send me an email at adoramavoice at gmail.com, either attach a, a voice memo, or you could type something out If and just ask me to read it, and I will. And we'll get your voice on the air. We'll let you be heard, and we'll keep the discussion going. I want to thank my callers from this show, uh, Jason of the Nerds RPG Variety Cast, uh, Andy from Grizzly Peaks Radio and Expedition to the Grizzly Peaks, Ronnie, Benson, Lawrence, and those who sent me in text, Patty and Mark. Thanks, everybody, and I'll talk to you soon.